0: This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. Well,
1: big developments on the way when it comes to managing the gray wolf. Yesterday, the acting Interior Secretary for Fish and Wildlife said they're going to be bringing a proposal forward soon to delist the gray wolf off the endangered species list. That would allow for states to manage that species on their own. We'll talk more about that coming up after 530 30. It's five minutes after five o'clock on a Thursday morning. How are you doing? Seventh day of March, and it looks like today is kind of the beginning of a warm-up around Wisconsin. We'll see sunshine today, not real warm. 24 are expected high, but only with a light breeze. Tonight, down to 12 degrees with a chance of snow for Friday. Cloudy skies, 35 are expected high. Saturday, mostly cloudy, 40 degrees. And with that warm-up on Saturday, possibility that we could see some rain mixed with snow Saturday afternoon into the evening hours. Stu Mocker, Ag Meteorologist, joining us in about 15 minutes, and of course, it's a Thursday. Bryce Knorr, Commodity Specialist with Farm Futures Magazine, joining us live before 6.
2: No one works harder to help you achieve your goals.
1: You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots.
3: And as a cooperative, our member owners understand this firsthand through benefits like our patronage program, which gives profits back to member owners.
1: This year, Compeer Financial is paying out more than $150 million to our member owners. Learn more at Compeer.com.
0: Trademarks of Compeer Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender.
1: Well, happy Thursday to you. Let's hope that this is the beginning of what uh, is expected to be a bit of a warm-up around the state of Wisconsin. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn. Bob, I'll tell you what, uh, through the course of the winter, weather has been a major, major challenge just trying to get chores done. And you know what? After a while, that starts pounding on you. Our folks in the, the farm medicine area are paying attention to that. and We've got some new faces to welcome in, huh?
4: Well, you sure do, Pam, and again, yeah, farm safety is so important. We've uh, had accidents, people, unfortunately, losing their lives, cleaning snow off the roof of some of their sheds, so be very, very careful. Bob Boesel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire, and uh, Barb Lee, who's been a longtime director at the Farm Medicine Center in Marshfield, enjoying retirement. And her new replacement has been named, Casper Cap Ben Dixon is taking over. And our Scott Schultz had a chance to visit with him recently and talk about uh, his background in farm safety and what his goals are with the National Farm Medicine Center moving forward.
5: I joined the National Farm Medicine Center about five years ago, and it was uh, my first job right out of grad school. Uh, Matt Kiefer was the director at the time, and, and the center was looking for a cultural anthropologist Uh, One with uh, research skills to work with rural communities and I grew up on a farm and ranch, uh, rodeoed for about 10 years and then my dissertation uh, as a part of my doctoral work looked at rancher's ethics. So I was kind of a nice fit and we moved straight up.
6: And that was in Idaho?
5: I grew up in Idaho and then I did uh, schooling in Montana and Idaho and then I was actually doing my graduate work down in Texas at Rice University.
6: You were telling me a little story about what uh, kind of got you through college, what helped to give you a push through college, and it had to do with some woolly animals.
5: Uh, so I grew up on a on a farm and ranch in southeast Idaho, and uh, we did all sorts of things. And actually, it was more important than than college. It was elementary school. My dad ran a band of a thousand sheep on national forest, and we wintered them at the ranch. And uh, he sold them all, and so that we could buy a house in the good school district, so I could start my schooling. Uh, in the right spot. Wow.
6: And you had even a couple of pet
5: mules there and everything else ran a little bit of an outfitting uh, operation. Yep. Yep. So we ran limousine Angus cross cows and we had uh, Tennessee walking horses and some quarter horses. And then for about seven years there, we ran an outfitting business in the Targhee National Forest, uh, actually the Caribou National Forest and we had pack mules and horses, and we'd take people out on elk hunts and bear hunts and just for horseback rides and fly fishing and it was a, It was a really cool time. I was about when I was in high school right. what
6: brought you information wise to the National Farm Medicine Center? When did you first
5: hear about it and and what raised your eyebrows about the National Farm Medicine Center? So when I was done with my uh, graduate work, what I really wanted to be was I wanted to be a full-time researcher and I wanted to work with rural communities. That was kind of the parameters around uh, where I was going to work, where I wanted to build a career. And so the Farm Center is a really unique place where you can do full-time, full-fledged research with funding from the National Institutes of Health, the, the Centers for Disease Control, um, and with uh, alongside very smart colleagues and a, and a very strong team of, of uh, outreach teams and things like that, uh, but work directly with rural communities across the nation. And so when I knew that that was an, a possibility, I, I was really enticed to be become a part of that team. And so it's the it's the idea that a full time researcher can do a tangible good for the rural community, and I was hooked.
6: You were hooked, and were you? somewhat surprised even maybe some people are I know when you got to this area and you said this is a pretty impressive project that's going on in a relatively small
5: community. Yeah I you know this is it's it's really neat um actually my my grandfather was a nuclear physicist in Idaho Falls when it was all farmers and ranchers and and their wives and shopkeepers and things like that and then there was an influx of engineers and so when I look at Marshfield, I look at all the gr- the great rural landscape, and then right in the middle of it is a clinic system uh, looking after a rural community directly, but also a research in- institute that's supporting that effort through epidemiology, genetics, ag health and safety, clinical trials, bioinformatics. I mean, so that is a really unique gem of the community, no doubt about it.
6: You've been involved in research here from the get-go then, and Tell me some, about some of the research that you've done and some of the things that have touched you here.
5: So uh, cultural anthropologists really want to see the community engage with the research process from the beginning to the end. We really don't want to do the research and then have a solution that no one's asking for. And so uh, one of the first projects we did is we actually just went out to the farm community and said, who do you think has safety knowledge, who can build a safety program, and who do you trust enough to make changes on your farm operation uh to become a safer farm. And uh when we did this uh pile sort instrument uh which is one strategy we use in social science farms farmers trust their families, farmers trust other farmers and then the next one after that was firefighters. And that was kind of a uh, I was really surprised at how that struck me because I was a firefighter for 2 years. And the overlap between the firefighter community and the farm community is significant and they trust each other. There's high amounts of esteem. And so we built a five-year project where we trained firefighters to be safety advocates in their coverage areas. And so with a lack of safety professionals and experts for every farm community across the country, there's probably a firefighter or two or three that really care about farmer safety. So that program grew out of the need to have safety experts, but also we wanted to make sure that we were embedding that in a community member who could make a difference. So that's a good example of an applied anthropology project.
6: And... That project, is, as an example, uh, brings to mind uh, somebody who I know has been involved with National Farm Medicine Center projects for many years right to the south who is a a Pittsville firefighter for many years, and uh, I'm I'm guessing that was an easy find, an easy link to a place to start.
5: Absolutely. Uh, You're talking about Chief Jerry Miner, and he had been doing work with Matt Kiefer, Uh, prior to looking at mapping farms for uh, first responders and then he'd also been working with uh, Dr. Dean Stuland who was working on traumatic injury uh, in the farm community and so I think this is a legacy project in regards to um, researchers and and safety advocates need to rely on firefighters in the community to be a part of the solution so it definitely builds on the shoulders of giants and uh, uh, Chief Miner is actually one of our master trainers in the program.
6: It's interesting for me personally To hear mention of a legacy program in this, because relatively speaking in my aging mind, the National Farm Medicine Center hasn't been here for a while, but you just threw out some pretty big names in farm safety research.
5: Yeah, you know, if you really look at what the Farm Medicine Center has been as a part of the Marshfield Clinic, they were actually the first recipients of a National Institutes of Health grant, which is kind of a top-tier grant. And that was awarded to Dean Emanuel to study farmer's lung, and that would have been coming out of research in the 50s and 60s. And so while the Farm Medicine Center was formally founded in the early 80s, I mean, this is a long line of of research looking after rural communities and and trying to improve their well-being. Are, are there new directions or any new things that you want to specifically
6: look for during your new, as part of your new job? Or is everything well on its way to where it needs to be?
5: Uh, so uh, there are some new things coming out of the Farm Center, but one of the f- first things that we always need to maintain is the National Children's Center for Rural Agricultural Health and Safety. The Farm Center has been home to the Children's Center uh, for about 17 years now. Um, and uh, the fact of the matter is is that we still have a, a problem in uh, the farming community where about every week two kids are fatally injured somehow, some way, in a farm-related accident. And I don't think anyone in the farm community uh, wants to ha- have that as a fact anymore. Uh, but the, the reality is that we need to work with our farm communities and we need to have voluntary acceptance uh, of best practices, best policy, and work from the ground up Is one strategy that we should uh, entertain and keep working at. So one of the programs that we definitely need to maintain at the Farm Center is the National Children's Center. There's still an epidemiological need for us to make sure that we're giving the best information possible out there for farm parents and employers of of youth on farms. Uh, So that's something that we need to maintain and keep working at. Casper
6: Bendixen, the new director of the National Farm Medicine Center, I'm Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn.
0: This is the Farm Report with Pam
1: Yonke.
8: As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual is excited to announce the Rural Mutual Farm Dividend Program. The first of its kind in the state. They know how hard you work, so they want to reward you. Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program rewards farmers for their loyalty and dedication with up to a 5% dividend. And since Rural Mutual only does business in Wisconsin, premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. To learn more about Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program and how you may qualify, please contact a rural agent or visit RuralMutual.com.
3: Attorney John Rihala
8: with
1: Clifford & Rihala.
8: At Clifford & Rihala, we have the experience you need to help you after any kind of collision. We help people who have been seriously injured, ranging from pedestrians hit crossing the street, people rear-ended by semi-trucks, to victims of drunk driver crashes. No matter how you've been injured, our experienced and skilled attorneys will help you get your maximum recovery. And very importantly... We also know how to protect that recovery. At Clifford & Rihala, we understand that many issues can come up after a settlement is reached. If those issues aren't handled carefully, an injury victim can lose money. Don't let that happen to you. Call Clifford & Rihala.
1: For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford & Rihala, hard-working, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com.
3: She milks that babe thing for all it's worth. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
1: 518 now, early start on our ag weather update. Plenty of time to talk about the improving weather conditions, at least I hope so. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. I'm going to put on some miles today. We've got the Yahara Pride Watershed Wide Meeting in DeForest, and then I'm going to Hoof it up to uh, Green Bay. Tonight, they're going to announce the U.S. champion uh, of cheese. And I just want folks to know, I just took a look at some of the early results. They've got the top 20 finalists that are posted already. And uh, it looks like Wisconsin's got 10 of the 20 finalists covered. So... About a 50-50 chance that we're going to be the U.S. cheese champion again this year, Stu. But I'll be there tonight to make sure that I can witness it for myself. If you're driving today, it doesn't look too bad. Sun in your eyes, maybe.
0: Well, yeah, sun today, but I'm thinking you'll find almost any reason to go to Lambeau, won't you?
1: <laughs> well, there is that. Yes, there is that. Although the the tasting event that I'm gonna enjoy tonight's at the KI Convention Center. But yes, you are well, correct. You are correct. It will be a stone's throw from lovely Lambeau. But yeah, you know, like I said, uh, it, it is that gradual, slow improvement on weather we can look forward to right on through Sunday, huh?
0: Absolutely. Temperatures are going to be getting a bit nicer today, tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. And then there's that winter storm trying to build on in there as well. Uh, Not the case yet today. High pressure is nearby. A fair amount of sunshine today. And really a pretty nice situation for us as temperatures will warm somewhat over yesterday. That's not hard to take. But we have to look to the west to see precipitation. Mostly some snow from South Dakota, eastern Nebraska, southwest Iowa, Missouri, down into southern Illinois. A nice line of activity. It is trying to build east and a bit southeast. And that's the reason I'll mention a little snow chance for all of us. And that happens in the night or into early Friday morning, a dusting less than an inch if it even does add up that much, but just a little precipitation chance. Late tonight, early tomorrow, temperatures continue to moderate, but low pressure is going to build in from the Rockies and that's the system we're going to have to keep an eye on. I expect it passes down toward all about Kansas, Missouri into Saturday, but that's going to lead to Saturday and Saturday night. A real mix of precipitation, most likely starting as snow, then mixing with rain becoming all rain in southeast Wisconsin Saturday night and uh, later Saturday into Saturday night before it changes back to a little snow and ends. Mostly rainfall and wet precipitation in that southeastern and east central part of Wisconsin and more likely snow back toward La Crosse and Mauston. Not a big threat as far as feet and feet of snow. I don't expect even at La Crosse, Boston could be the snow winner out of all of this, but I'd expect the snow to be a bit heavier further west and to the northwest part of the state. And the further you head that way could be up to a half a foot and even a little more in some areas. And that wet, uh, call it spring snow, if you will, Not quite there, but with this mild air building and you get that more liquid precipitation, this will all end as the weekend draws to a close and early next week. Daytime highs still in the 30s look like they're going to show up. That's going to feel a bit nicer. I'll have forecast details right after this.
1: Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com.
7: A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau.
8: When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin strong. When their employees live where you live, that's Wisconsin strong. When they support the local community by giving back, that's Wisconsin strong. When your insurance premiums stay here, that's keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto, home, business, and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row. Their local agents and local employees make us Wisconsin strong. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more.
1: All righty, Stu, let's have some more details on that forecast.
0: Oh, they're nice today, not bad at all. Becoming partly sunny, and I'd expect to be near the mid-20s for everybody. And we're going to see northwest winds around 5, become more southeast in the day. There are cloudy skies and that small chance of a little snow late tonight. We fall back in the low and mid-teens. East winds at 5. A bit of snow early Friday. More likely still a mostly cloudy day. Warming a bit more. Low to mid-30s on Friday with east winds about 5. It's Saturday when the clouds build in. Starts out as snow, a little rain, snow toward midday, early afternoon in the southeast rain later in the day. Mid-30s, I expect, for daytime highs. Breezy, east winds 10 to 20, even gusting up around 35 or so. That rain, snow makes overnight and lasting into Sunday. My expectation, pan would be a couple of tenths of an inch of rain, uh, a quarter inch or a bit more in southeast Wisconsin. Snow, Madison to Fond du Lac, an inch or so, uh, one to three or so at La Crosse, and could be a little more, could push four to six inches at Mauston, but that should all end by late Sunday, and by Monday it dries out and stays fairly mild. Yeah,
1: but you said that snow, when it does accumulate, it's probably going to be pretty heavy, huh? We lost so yes. many sheds and barns this year because of heavy snow on the roof.
0: Yeah, it's going to be the wet because of that rain sure. component being so strong.
1: All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that then. All right, buddy, catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks. Yep, take care. Stu Muck is our ag meteorologist, and uh, with uh, the latest update, we've got Lacrosse checking in with clear skies. You are at zero. Moston, you're the cool spot this morning. Minus two. Madison at the airports, clear and nine above. Fond du Lac, you're clear and zero. Oshkosh, clear and one above. Coming up after 5.30, Bryce Nor, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, FarmFutures.com, joining us live via Skype. Give us an idea on direction in the marketplace. And it looks like finally the federal government is considering the idea of delisting the gray wolf from the endangered species list. That has been a big issue for Wisconsin. Looks like our DNR folks might be back in the management seat next.
0: This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Have you
3: ever encountered one of those companies that tries to be all things to all people? It's like herding cats. The tools, the parts, the know-how are all difficult to round up and solve the precise problem you're hoping to repair. At Benjamin Plumbing, they focus on one thing and one thing only. Plumbing. Not heating and air conditioning, not garage door replacement, not security alarms or beauty salon supplies. Just plumbing repairs, remodels, and new construction. Avoid the jack of all trades. Rely on your friends at Benjamin Plumbing to do what they do best each and every time.
9: Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com.
10: Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business
9: Benjamin Plumbing.
11: Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something... That you can customize yourself. Maybe a gorgeous pendant, necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location. A couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more... ...modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone... Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers.
4: Darren College, a former NFL Super Bowl champion, signed the most important contract of his life to serve in the Army
12: National Guard. National Guard for me was a perfect fit. I've had a lot of military in my family. It's a big part of what uh, my family's done for a long time. I want to go out there and make a difference. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I didn't find that in the normal day-to-day life. I didn't find that working behind a desk. I realized being hands-on and being a soldier was something that would keep me active, keep me outside, keep me in the, that team environment that I craved and that I needed so much. And then the opportunity to serve my community and serve my country was just icing on the cake. I wanted to be in Boise, Idaho. I wanted to be home. The National Guard gave me the opportunity to stay right where I was, to serve my country and my community, and it was the best of both worlds. I grew up flying bush planes in Alaska with my dad. I was fortunate enough to get my pilot's license. I wanted to be in helicopters. I wanted to be a crew chief. The Army National Guard gave me a chance to fly helicopters now instead of fixed-wing aircraft.
8: To learn how to be part of the Army National Guard, log on to
4: nationalguard.com sponsored by the wisconsin army national guard aired by the wisconsin broadcasters
7: association and this station if you'd rather be fishing well now's your chance The Zone is inviting you to go walleye fishing with Ballard's Resort on Minnesota's Lake of the Woods. Our adventure begins Friday, June 28th to Tuesday, July 2nd. Check it out. Everything is included. Three days of guided walleye fishing. Round-trip motor coach transportation from Madison. Four nights lodging. Meals. Your rods, reels, bait, and tackle. Fishing processing. And even your taxes. This adventure is only $825 per person if you sign up before March 15th. Space is limited, so call 1-800-776-2675 or go to BallardsResort.com to hold your spot. Wow. This trip will sell out, so don't miss the boat. Oh, God. oh my God. Get ready to experience big-time fishing with your friends in northern Minnesota with Ballards Resort and The Zone.
1: You want to talk adventure? Let's talk Alaska. Pam Yaki reminding you that space is going fast for our Agriculture Adventure to Alaska, August 20th through September 1st. We'll enjoy the Alaska State Fair, the Alaska Flower Company, and of course, Denali National Park. Don't forget about the three-night Holland America cruise that takes us to places like Ketchikan and Skagway. It's all available to you, but you need to get on my list. And if you sign up by March 31st, you'll save $400 Per person to come along. Now we've got free travel meetings coming up. Tuesday, March 12th, Madison Comfort Inn and Suites off East Washington Avenue. Wednesday, March 13th, Janesville Convention Center and the Platteville Pioneer Lanes. On the 14th, Thursday, we'll be at the Best Western in Portage and the Voyager Inn in Reedsburg. Find details at fabulousfarmbabe.net right there on my homepage or call holiday vacations today, 800 826 2266, and come along.
2: I wonder if they're serving uh, Bloody Marys in Indianapolis this morning. That's where we find our uh, sports director, Zach Halpern. Zach, uh, any, any Bloody Marys over at the uh, Lucas Oil Field today? Well, I'm actually back in Madison, so I w- Oh, I you're back. Know. You know what they have? Yeah.
7: they got good ones at the pub.
4: Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to head there. Half
2: distance. Uh, <laughs> all right, you. You. By the way, uh, shout out to you, man. I saw. I was just telling Evo this. I was looking at your your transcript. Jakai Polite. What did I see? That Bleacher Report. You're everywhere. Other places picked that up. So well done, Zach. Getting some uh, some national pub, my man.
4: Yeah, Jakai Polite did not have a very good combine.
2: No. So okay, here's what we've been struggling. And that's putting it politely. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> oh yes. Y- oh. yes. So obviously, There's... Zach, it's oh, a position. Yeah. Right. It's a position of dire need. For the Green Bay Packers, he's uh, looking at most draft boards. He's the third or fourth rated edge rusher. Obviously, Josh Allen, the kid from Kentucky and Nick Bosa from Ohio State, probably going to go one, two or two, three. I mean, three. They'll be gone by the time the Packers pick this guy kind of right on that line of where he would be drafted 10, 12, 13. Pretty much every mock draft I've seen has the Packers taking polite after what he said. Do you think the Packers are would have second thoughts if they thought that was their guy?
4: You know, I think if it was just what he said, probably not. But he went out and had a horrible uh, workout as well yesterday. I mean, he was supposed to be one of the most athletic guys on the field. Like he ran like a four eight one forty, and he then uh, hurt his hamstring. And there's people questioning whether that actually uh, actually happened or not. So uh, he pulled himself out of that. There, there, are a lot of people that think he's not even a first round anymore. And so I think it'd be really tough. I don't think he's in play for the Packers at twelve unless something happens. You know, between his pro day and whatever i mean he put on a bunch of bad weight too so i don't think he's in, in play at 12 anymore for green bay you know i'm not even sure if he's in play at 30 anymore it's possible he could fall all the way to, to to you know mid 40s which is you know green bay's at 44 in the second round he may even still be available then based on what we saw this week it was as bad of a combine as i think anybody's ever had without getting sent home early which is what uh the linebacker, uh, who was it? The one that ended up getting uh, to the 49ers and then had uh, some sexual assault or uh, domestic violence.
2: Right, Ruben Foster.
4: Ruben Foster got yeah. sent home from the Combine a couple years ago. Right. Um, it's probably was the worst it? since then. Yeah.
2: Uh, Zach Heilprin, just just back from uh, the Combine. Oh, okay, so to that point, so my guy... Uh, You know, Ted Thompson would always say, we always draft the best player available. And you guys are like, yeah, right. And you look at the Packers at 12, clearly, Zach, edge rusher is among the top needs. If number one, would you buy that? I mean, would they be forcing to try and fit it if they don't necessarily feel like there's a guy there they like? Or do you just say it's a deep position? You're desperate at that position. Whether it's best available player or need, you have to take a D end an edge rusher yeah. at, at number 12.
4: Yeah. You know what? I think it largely depends on what happens in free agency. I mean, free agency opens here in what, nine days, uh, or maybe even less than that. Now, um, it sounds like they're going to be pretty active in free agency and especially going to target edge rushers. And so if they're able to take care of that issue in free agency, it's not that you don't draft one, but maybe they're drafting one at 12. Uh, maybe you're, maybe you're waiting a little bit to take another one, but I, I if they can somehow get one of the, uh, really good pass rushers in the, in free agency. Then all of a sudden it doesn't become such a need. And I, I agree with you that pass rusher is a huge need. I mean, Nick Perry's not going to be around. There's no way they're going to give him his bonus. So I think he'll be gone and we'll see what happens yes. with Clay Matthews. But right now you're looking at Tyler Fackrell and um, uh, Reggie Gilbert. I mean, those are your, essentially your two outside linebackers right now. And that's yes. that's not going to get it done. So you, you want to add, you're going to add somebody in free agency. And if you get a big one, then it's not as big of a need. And again, as I said, I think pass rusher is a need they have many other needs too you know what i mean like you could all you could go with tight end you could go offensive line you could go wide receiver i mean you'd go a lot of different ways if you wanted to defense back I mean, there's a lot of issues inside linebacker i mean it's all over the place for them there's a lot of options there at 12 i think
2: so in that line of thinking then would 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 the old silver fox way of building a roster be in play then would you could you see goody and the packers just saying look everyone assumes we're going to take edge rusher because because that's what we need maybe the most. But to your point, we have other needs, and they, it won't be a traditional pick at number 12?
4: Well, what's a traditional pick?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I – well, okay. Trade so, down. I mean, because we
4: don't know. Brian Gutekunst <laughs> has had one draft, right? So um, it, it, the draft is still vitally important, and it's the most important thing. Uh, but, again, so much is going to change, I think, now from where we're sitting here on March – what is it, 4th? to April 25th when the draft starts, uh, excuse me, April 28th when the draft starts, I don't really know exactly what it's going to look like, and their needs may look much different uh, a month and a half from now than they do now. So, um, again, I think there's a lot of really talented guys, but
0: This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It is
1: a Thursday. That means our man Bryce Knorr, commodity specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, FarmFutures.com, is going to be joining us live via Skype in about 15 minutes or so, letting us know what's happening in the marketplace. Yesterday, the acting secretary of Fish and Wildlife announced that they're going to bring a proposal forward to delist the gray wolf off the endangered species list. That would give states the right and opportunity to manage those species. Talking about that before 6 o'clock. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Service's Cooperative anchor news Desk, here's what's happening on a Thursday. Did you know on this date back in 1965, it was the day that police attacked civil rights activists in Selma, Alabama back on this date in 1965. And Golda Meir was selected as Prime Minister of Israel on this date back in 1969. You say, well, wait a minute, Pam, what does that have to do with Wisconsin? Believe it or not, Golda Meir was born in Russia, moved to Milwaukee with her family in 1906 where she lived and got politically involved in the labor union there before she and her husband moved to Tel Aviv, where she was ultimately named prime minister. And now you know. I'm PM Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Thursday. What's happening today is the annual Hope for Hunger Radiothon. It involves Second Harvest Food Bank of Southern Wisconsin. Now, listen, you may never have needed the assistance of the food bank, But someone in your neighborhood, in your family, in your community certainly may have. They serve annually nearly one million meals to folks around southern Wisconsin. And today they're asking for your donations. The first $23,000 that are donated in their annual Hope for Hunger Radiothon is going to be matched equally. So that's some good news. Chris Teslar with the Second Harvest Food Bank says their footprint as far as helping rural communities is pretty big in southern Wisconsin.
9: Yeah, in the 16 counties that we serve, we actually work with about 200 uh, part, local partner agencies, and those are the uh, meal sites, uh, food pantries, and shelters that are right there in the community. So if you go up to Adams, right, we work with, uh, we work with a local agency up there to not only have a, 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 a brick and mortar food pantry but we also have a mobile pantry that that's up there in the in the school up there. So our expertise is really finding those local partners. It's those folks who really know what's going on in their community and then we bring our resources to try to help them help their own community uh, because we can do things that they can't necessarily do. But the reality is we can't do some of the things that they can do because they know what's happening locally in their community.
1: Give me a sense on how donations have been pacing. I'll tell you, if you've never been to the second harvest food location that's located in Madison, it's an amazing place because you bring all kinds of sources for food Then you break them down. You may end up getting them in bulk. You break them down into smaller portions. Uh, It's all about management, distribution. Some are perishable. How have donations been pacing? Let's just say for this first quarter of 2019, Chris.
9: Sure. Well, we're, we're actually on a fiscal year program. So we're actually in our third quarter. Um, and, and right now, thank goodness, thanks to uh, the amazing support that we've got from the public, uh, we are doing reasonably well. Uh, but the reality is there's a meal gap here in the 16 counties that are served by Second Harvest. About 22 million meals every year go missing. Uh, last year we provided about 15.2 million meals. So that still leaves several million meals that go missing every year. And it's because of the help that we get from the public. It's because of the help that we get from local farmers, from the, the food processors, from so many different organizations and, and individuals, not only giving food, giving money, giving time. Those are the ways that we're able to help the people that we are here to serve.
1: Chris Teslar with Second Harvest Food Bank in southern Wisconsin. Like I said, farm organizations have been involved with this group uh, quite a little bit. We've had Wisconsin's Outstanding Young Farmers volunteer, our FFA Group's volunteer, Farm Bureau, a lot of farm associations that recognize and help this group. Today, they're asking for your financial donations online at secondharvestmadison.org backslash radio secondharvestmadison.org backslash radio and the first $23,000 donated will indeed be matched. Nice thing to think about on a cold March day like this. Coming up on 540, we'll take a quick break. Gray Wolf coming off the endangered species list. Is that important for Wisconsin agriculture? You bet. Stand by.
12: To the soybean farmer who knows the early rise. Who's there
1: Losing a loved one is never easy, and probably one of the last things you are thinking about at the time is whether or not that loved one was a hero and an organ donor. I'm Pam Yonke. Al Wright from Barneveld can tell you all about it. He lost his wife, and while sitting in the hospital waiting room, the family remembered that she wanted to be an organ donor.
2: we sitting around, you know, and my son said, didn't mom want to be a donor? I God, she did. You know, you're not thinking of that at the time.
1: That's Al Wright from Barneveld. His wife, as an organ donor, became a hero to some 50 people that were touched by tissue, eye, or organ donations from her. It's easy to do. You can register now online. DonateLifeWisconsin.org. DonateLifeWisconsin.org. Today, there's more than 3,000 Wisconsinites waiting for an organ, tissue, or eye donation. You could become their hero. DonateLifeWisconsin.org.
7: When you think of Palmer amaranth, water hemp, ragweed, and mare's tail, doesn't it just make you want to give them the pounding they deserve? <laughs> Now you can with Diflex Duo Herbicide. It's the post-emergence corn herbicide with two proven sites of action. So you get powerful control of the toughest weeds, built-in resistance management, and excellent crop safety. So don't just hit weeds, (laughs) pound them like never before with Diflex Duo. Learn more at diflexduo.us. Always read and follow label
1: instructions. It's a big deal and one that Wisconsin farmers have been talking about for a while. Yesterday, the acting interior secretary for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced that they are going to bring forward a proposal to delist the gray wolf in the lower 48 states and return management of that species back to the states and to the tribes. Now, how big a deal is that here in Wisconsin? The latest numbers show that the gray wolf population in the Great Lakes regions, including Michigan and Minnesota, as well as Wisconsin, has jumped to 3,700 in the northern Rockies. Those numbers also increasing to about 1,700. Uh, they say that the Great Lakes wolves are listed as threatened. That's the rung of federal protection below endangered. And now it looks like they have got numbers healthy enough to remove the federal government's oversight on gray wolf populations and instead turn it back into the hands of what would be our Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. So we'll keep an eye on what's happening there. In Orlando, Florida this week, pork producers from across the United States got together for their National Pork Board Forum one of those, A.V. Roth from Wazika in southwest Wisconsin. He's a fifth-generation pork producer, and he says right now he's got his eyes on a disease halfway around the world that could still make its way to the United States, African swine fever.
8: Uh, One of the biggest ones is uh, ASF. Uh, To me, that's a huge concern for all pork producers. And the more that we can get people to know and the more aware they are, I think the more chance we have of keeping it out of the U.S.
1: A.V. Roth from Wazika, Wisconsin, one of the pork producers in Orlando this week for the National Pork Board Forum. He says part of the challenge with African swine fever is that today our society is so mobile. And this is one of those diseases that can be transported uh, via luggage, via food products from one place to the other. So again, pork producers on high alert with African swine fever. Markets this morning on alert for tomorrow's World Ag Supply Demand Report update. We'll talk about that with Bryce in just a moment. In overnight trade, December corn's down a penny and a quarter at 393 and three quarters. November beans right now two cents stronger, nine thirty-eight and three quarters. July new crop wheat down a penny and a quarter overnight, four fifty-four and a quarter. Barrel cheese yesterday in Chicago gained two cents to one forty five. Forty pound block cheese was up a penny at one fifty-eight. Double A butter, that dropped three and three quarters cents to two twenty five and three quarters a pound. Fluid milk contracts. April closed a penny stronger, fifteen sixteen dollars a hundred weight. May milk was up to fifteen twenty six a hundred weight. Now you see $16 milk in Chicago once we get to July. Like I said, what's coming up tomorrow with this World Ag Supply Demand Report? Does the market have certain expectations? Bryce Nor, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com. Up to discuss that next. This
0: is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
10: Are you frustrated with the way your clothes are fitting as you age? You may be a candidate for Cool Sculpting, the world's leading non-invasive fat removal treatment. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Cool sculpting safely and effectively freezes unwanted fat bulges without surgery or downtime. The crystallized cells are eliminated naturally through the body for long-lasting results. Advanced training through the exclusive Cool Sculpting University makes the medical providers at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie experts in body contouring. Come in for a free assessment to see if cool sculpting is right for you. Your clothes will fit in no time. To learn more, visit the experienced medical professionals at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie for natural, long-lasting confidence and beauty. Let your natural beauty shine. Find us at Rejuvenation Clinic of SockPrairie.com.
3: Bent spoons, jewelry, Legos. Over the years, your friends at Benjamin Plumbing have found all sorts of items that can obstruct a garbage disposal. Hey, it's an everyday common occurrence. When your pulverizing garbage disposal comes to a grinding halt, Benjamin Plumbing will dispatch one of their capable service techs to check things out. It could be an interesting discovery. Or it could be your old garbage disposal has simply seen its last day. And not to worry. The majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Grumpy garbage disposal? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing.
9: Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at benjaminplumbing.com.
10: Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business.
9: Benjamin Plumbing. Putting the cheese on the crackers.
3: It's Pam Yankee and the Wisconsin Farm Report.
1: All right, here we are, 5.47 now on a Thursday morning. Time to find out what the news in the marketplace is telling us today. Bryce Knorr, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, FarmFutures.com. So tomorrow is the big World Ag Supply Demand update. Is it a big deal, Bryce? What's the market talking about?
12: No, this March report really isn't a big deal. Uh, It's... Uh, we got most of the data we needed uh, back in February f- from the delayed uh, January USDA report. So we will get a few uh, updates perhaps on supply and demand, not looking for major changes. Uh, the corn uh, ending stocks uh, could uh, go up a little bit uh, due to weaker ethanol production. That's kind of been uh, the big uh, news over the last couple of weeks in corn. Uh, soybeans could go down uh, due to stronger crush uh, maybe stronger exports that's kind of a question mark and the wheat ending stocks also are expected to go up uh, i think due to uh, weaker exports
1: mm. all right let's talk about the export news so again we continue to monitor developments in china but there are other players in the world marketplace we've got to keep an eye on what's happening with south korea the south korea north korea they've both been in the news plenty this week
12: Right. Now, the South Korean feed makers are buying corn fairly aggressively this week. That's typical of their pattern. They usually buy some before a USDA report and then after a USDA report, hedging their bets. So they're in the market. The trouble is, however, the U.S. corn is not the cheapest delivered to Korea on the world market. South, South American corn costs less. Uh, if they can get it out. And uh, we're talking about uh, summer shipments now that uh, the Koreans are buying. Uh, so uh, they'll be, uh, Brazil particularly, will be done sh- uh, shipping out their soybeans from there, and we'll have, uh, have a new crop corn uh, that they can send. So it's a highly competitive world market right now. We can't be assured of any of these deals that are going on.
1: Have we seen any uh, numbers, or maybe we'll get them today, you know, it's one thing when these uh, countries make a, a buy, a commitment, it's another if it gets uh, canceled or rewrote How's that been working out, Bryce?
12: Well, we haven't seen any major cancellations yet. A little bit too early for that. That uh, typically happens a little bit later in the marketing year. Uh, we get the export sales numbers out today, uh, at uh, 7.30 central time, expected to be pretty good for corn, topping 40 million bushels, soybeans above uh, 30 million, wheat continuing uh, week. But we'll be parsing those numbers just to see what's happening, particularly from China. Uh, we haven't heard any trade rumblings that they've been aggressively buying, but they have started to step up uh, both their purchases and their uh, shipments uh, out of the country. Uh, but uh, we may not get any uh, big news and uh, until a, a trade deal is actually sealed, if it is sealed later this month, you
1: know, I wasn't it a week ago. Maybe it was longer than that. When uh, U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Purdue mentioned that there was a 10 million metric ton sale to China, but yet we haven't seen any numbers to verify that yet.
12: Right, uh, and uh, that's the uh, trouble with some of these deals is that uh, you know you can get a lot of talk, but until we see actual evidence that those sales are taking place. It's pretty, uh, pretty difficult to get too excited about this. and uh, Plus, we're in kind of a hole in terms of uh, the year-to-date uh, total commitments because we started off slow due to the tariffs. So we have a lot of, uh, lot of business in soybean that needs to get done over the next uh, few months if we're going to meet USDA's forecast.
10: What's
1: happening with the energy stocks? We've been paying a lot of attention to crude lately. Bryce, what's going on there overnight?
12: Well, uh, crude oil supplies uh, grew uh, fairly sharply uh, last week, up uh, more than 7 million barrels, according to the uh, government uh, data out yesterday. Now, diesel inventories, however, headed in the other direction, even though Midwest refiners increased production, we saw uh, diesel inventories fall. uh, So that's keeping the diesel uh, prices high. They're uh, $2 or above at the major uh, Midwest cash wholesale uh, benchmarks so uh, growers can just kind of add their transportation costs and what their dealer markup is onto that. And uh, so diesel's getting more expensive, likely not going to get cheaper uh, because even though not many wheels are turning now, they will be hopefully soon uh, over the next month or so when uh, ag usage increases, and then that's when the uh, diesel market tends to pop,
1: mm, and it's not it's not cheap now. Yeah, like you said. All right, let's. Uh, speaking of planting, I know from time to time uh, they'll issue some kind of planting update. Granted, nothing's happening in the Midwest. Uh, do we get any kind of update on places like Texas or farther south, Bryce? Uh,
12: all, all, the only uh, updates were, that we got this week uh, were from Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, they're doing a little planting down in Texas. Uh, they've had their own struggles, however with uh, damp weather. And it looks like we've got an extremely wet week uh, coming up. We've got a couple big systems that are going to be moving through, uh, soaking uh, not only the areas that have been getting a lot of rain, but also some of the areas of the plains uh, that haven't. Uh, so uh, uh, the good news, in, when we take a look at the forecast, is that uh, the while the six to ten day forecast calls for above normal precipitation, the tail end of that two week period, the eight to 14 day forecast, uh, sees actually uh, below normal uh, precipitation, one of the few times that we've seen that pop up in these outlooks, uh, it seems like uh, since harvest. So it looks like we might be shifting over uh, to a uh, slightly drier pattern here. Uh, but uh, not until the uh, tail end of March.
1: Mm, all right. Well, good luck on that then. Let's. Uh, any final parting shots for the week, uh, Bryce? What are you going to be watching between now and when we talk to you on Tuesday?
12: Well, we've got to watch uh, the outside markets, uh, the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, lowered its growth forecasts for economic growth around the world yesterday uh, due to all these uh, trade troubles. A lot of angst starting to show up in the stock market. We get the jobs numbers for February out uh, tomorrow. And uh, if those are uh, bearish, uh, we could see a uh, Wall Street Uh, start to head towards the bunkers, and sometimes that can spill over into our markets.
1: Yeah, 133-point loss yesterday. We'll have to watch. Very good, my friend. Thank you. We appreciate your time and insights. That's Bryce Knorr. Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com joins us every Tuesday and Thursday before the opening bell to give you an indication of what traders are talking about. Well, we are going to be talking about tomorrow what goes on in Green Bay tonight. The world, not world, U.S., Cheese Championship Will crown a victor tonight I mentioned to you earlier Wisconsin's got 10 of the t- 20 top finalists So hopefully we'll be talking about A Wisconsin cheesemaker in the headlines Tomorrow but uh, follow me on Facebook If you want to see developments unfold That's a Fabulous Farm Babe On Facebook and I'll catch up with you again Tomorrow morning It's 5.55
0: This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke